Macarion to Stokes, who's onside. Wagner! Here's Sims to put Stokes this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia! Hello Tom. Hello John, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. We're, we um, appear to be recording this in a pub somewhere in Hipster Central, Hoxton in, in London. You can't move for beards. I know, we, we've got craft beer, we've got a <laughs> nice, well we had some disco on the stereo, it's now a bit more, gone gone a bit more jazz hasn't Dave it? Dave Clark 5 or yeah. something. Um, just to get, get you all in the mood of wha- where we are, so we've got nice... Bits of kind of foliage hanging from the ceiling, a nice big screen where they're just about to be showing Southampton, Chelsea. And um, despite the bar actually being quite small, there's a, an impressive range of uh, beers and ales on offer as well. It's, uh, yeah, this is a nice spot. It'd be a good, good spot to watch a game. So, Tom, with about the 20 different craft beers on go, what did you go for? A generic lager. Yeah. <laughs> so I refuse to eat anything interesting, John. Well, there we go. Um, so, I mean, let's let's cut to the chase a little bit. We're sat here because we're about to watch Southampton versus Chelsea on the telly. Uh, we don't normally do this for the podcast, but um, you know, we, we've had the team lineups have come in. It's, bit, it's an interesting lineup, isn't it? So, I mean, there's quite a few players have been dropped. What, what do you make of Hughes's changes? Uh, I'm a little bit scared by it. I think it's I think it's necessary, but also quite scary because we played the whole preseason with five at the back. He drops that after 55 minutes of the first game uh, against Burnley, and now here we are, back five at the back, three new, three players starting who have not started a league game all season. It's a little bit, a little bit odd. So, I mean, let's start with the back. We've got Bednarek and Yoshi and Hoot as the three centre backs, the three of the the five. Um, I was probably expecting him to drop Hoot. He's dropped Vestergaard. Um, you know, and to be honest, I'm quite pleased to see Yoshi and Bednarek come in. I know Yoshi had a fantastic World Cup. He, he had a little bit of a game time against Everton as well in the League Cup, where he did an absolute howler of a back pass. So we know he's got a mistake in him, but um, Hoots had plenty of mistakes as well. So um, are we looking for Bednarek to be the rock in the heart of defence there? It's strange, isn't it? Because Mark Hughes must know, obviously, as well as anyone, what uh, Giroud has consistently done to us throughout his time in English football. But we take off... You know, the player who we think is going to be our most, you know, aggressive centre-back in, in, in Vestergaard. So, uh, sorry, someone's phone's going off. So, it'll be interesting to see today. Um, I'm very, I like you, I'm very surprised who is still in this team. I'm just, I'm not sure what he brings to the starting eleven. No, I mean, we, we've talked about it before. We've had uh, lots of interesting emails um, in uh, and... I think well, probably one of the best ones was suggesting that maybe Hoot's ceiling was higher and his potential was higher than perhaps Benrek or Yoshida. But, I mean, y- you could you could apply that argument for so many young players and the youth players are not getting a chance. So if Hoot's not performing, surely you drop him. But he obviously thinks that Vestergaard is performing worse than Hoot. Yeah, which is surprising for me because I think Vestergaard at least appears to bring some leadership whereas Hoot just kind of looks chaotic. But I think you're absolutely right about ceilings. If we look at some of the players we've let go, uh, you know, the last couple of years, Harrison Reed, 
I think could have been a better player, Yorni Classy. Josh Sims, you know, you could argue could be a better player than Redmond. Um, yeah, it's just surprising. And for me, I'm worried because this is kind of it. Last throw of the dice now. Drop a load of players, change formation. If we don't win today, which I'm not too confident we will, what's he got left? I, I mean, I just wonder if this is kind of a follow-up from midweek when we knocked Everton out of the League Cup, albeit on penalties, albeit after giving away a lead again. Um, but yeah, I, Hughes obviously feels like he needs to change change stuff around. He obviously feels like we can't handle the sort of pressure that we can expect from Chelsea with four at the back. And I think he's probably right in that to, to make it uh, you know, three centre-backs and then the two wing-backs with Cedric and Bertrand. Um, is Bertrand perhaps lucky to not be one of the players to be dropped? I don't think we can. I mean, like, realistically, I mean, Matt Target is a very, very good player, but Bertrand is probably one of the only top Premier League players we have. He's probably the only player you've got that you could see at Saints now that could probably get into a top six club. So, yeah, I think dropping him would be uh, a bit tough on yeah, him. Um, despite Target's good performance. Despite, I mean, Target is, uh, is, you know, Bertrand is a senior England international footballer. He's arguably one of the best left-backs in the Premier League. Yeah, I think it would be tough on yeah. him to drop him. So then what have we got further up front? I mean, we've got uh, Hoiberg and um, Lamina are still in the centre of defence. Which we, uh, uh, yeah. centre of midfield. Which we like. Yeah. I think those two are working well together. And um, then who have we got up top? So we've got Danny Ings, who could be the saviour of our season. Yeah. And, uh, and Gabby Adini, so the man that every Saints fan wants to see on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, quite often when us Saints fans take to Twitter and uh, explain who we want to have, it, it doesn't always work out particularly well. We wanted to have two up front. That didn't, hasn't always worked particularly well. We wanted to try 4-4-2. That hasn't necessarily worked particularly well. Um, but, you know, hopefully Hughes doesn't really listen to Twitter and, and us, but actually, uh, you know, has a look at how the players are doing in training and tries to work out what's going to be best for the upcoming games. And perhaps he thinks that... You know, maybe our best chances are going to be those kind of like close chances in the box, which Gabbiadini, we, we know, is pretty fantastic at. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think um, I have to say Charlie Austin looks like he's, you know, he's just I don't know what's going wrong with Charlie Austin, whether he's not fit mentally or right. But, you know, he looks like he's, he's won a competition to play Premier League football. He doesn't look fit enough. He doesn't look fast enough. Um, so, you know, Gabbiadini can't do any worse. And at least Gabbiadini, you know, he will score goals if you give him chances. Yeah. And um, is, is Redmond in the team again? I can't remember. Yes, yeah, he is, so which is interesting as well. Because obviously, if we're playing five-three-two, Redmond's going to have to do a bit of defensive work in that in that sort of three-man midfield. But so um, is yeah. Redmond kind of number ten there, or I mean, what's what's going on? I mean, it's presumably the width is coming from the two wing backs. Uh, we've dropped an extra player into defence. I'm trying to. I'm trying to struggle to see. I don't think it's going to be a balanced formation, is it? I think they're going to perhaps. Maybe Redmond's going to be there to exploit when Alonso goes forward, and he's going yeah. to stay there, try and stay in the space, and, and exploit that on the counter attack. Yeah, well, you could see Redmond dropping in at fullback almost to just kind of make sure that you know if if uh, if Cedric and and Bertrand are bombing forward. Uh, I mean, Redmond's been probably arguably our best player with Danny Ings this season. He looks the one player we've got that can really create and, and damage teams and do something out of nothing so I'm glad to see him in that starting 11 yeah me, me, me too I mean are we brave enough to give some predictions at the start of this game Tom I mean it was 3-2 yeah, uh, to Chelsea uh, towards the end of last season Saints weren't looking particularly good then we're not looking particularly great now but it's a heartbreaker last season yeah. wasn't it uh, I'm going to go 3-1 Chelsea um, I think Saints will score but I think if you look at that team Willian uh, you know Hazard these are all players that you know um Giroud, these are players that consistently 
hurt us. So yeah. I see no reason why that's going to change. Yeah, to, to be honest, I can't really see us keeping a clean sheet, but I think that's probably what we've got to hope for is maybe keeping it tight and then getting a 1-0. A, a um, I think probably more likely... I think Chelsea have won quite a lot of times at St Mary's 2-0 and yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the score today. Yeah, and if you look at their team, they've just got such quality. We're just looking at it now. I mean, yeah, studded with internationals and not sort of, you know, pony internationals. These are Germans, Brazilians, you know, Spanish, Spanish internationals. These are top, top players. I think, you know, I love Saints, but I think we might struggle today. Yeah, I mean, you've got the world's most expensive goalkeeper there as well. Can we test him? Yeah. Well, why not? I mean, like Cardiff scored against them, so why the hell not? But even if you look, I mean, even if we manage to sort of break through uh, Eugenio and Barkley, we then got somehow get through the Man Mountain. There is Kante. Mm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of. It's going to be difficult. Yeah, I mean, interesting. Chelsea have been playing Kante a little bit further up the pitch this season, and perhaps that might actually play into our favour. Uh, West Ham did quite well against them, and they let Jorginho have a lot of the ball, but really kind of stuck tight to lots of the other players, and he wasn't really able to create much. Um, is, do we have to try and emulate West Ham here? Oh God, I hate the th even the thought of that. I just think Saints need to they need to compete, and they need to be concentrate I, the crazy thing is is we're not getting results but i don't actually think generally we're playing badly for most of games but we are lacking focus at key moments so mark hughes said this week we, we're just a bit susceptible to mistakes and um you know cocking it all up aren't we we've got no confidence yeah anyway so let's let's hope for some sort of confidence <laughs> boosting miracle here i think let's check in again at half time and yeah, see how things are going if we're still here yeah Tom, we're just uh, half-time in the pub. We're 1-0 down. Um, Chelsea have had the best of it in the first half, but it's not all doom and gloom, is it? No, there are, uh, like Ian Jerry said, there are reasons to be cheerful. I think we've got, um, you know, we weathered the storm. Um, it's very much, it's textbook Saints, really. We weathered the storm, started to play some good football. And then a, a really a self-inflicted goal. I mean, Chelsea are going to create enough chances without us helping them. And... Um, yeah, like, uh, and it was that man Wesley again, I think, who kind of let us down a little bit. Uh, are we blaming Wesley Hoop because he did very well to take the ball off Hansard and initially when Hansard was running towards goal, I was really pleased and pleasantly surprised when he took the ball off him to then have it at his feet. Um, he did find a Saints player. It was Hoiberg, but Hoiberg perhaps wasn't in the best position. He had his back you know he was facing towards goal at the point when he picked up the ball and he turned around and he was robbed by Barkley wasn't he yeah and if you think like the way that Chelsea is set up you know that uh, with, with players like Willian and with Hazard they're, they're going to need players in the midfield that are snapping into every challenge like Barkley and Kante and, and I think it's kind of a it's kind of the best and the worst of Wesley Hoyt in a sort of two or three second spell isn't it like a great tackle but then a hospital pass to Hoiberg who gets lost and then um and then also what compounds the error from Hoyt is this kind of schoolboy, like, I've lost the ball, I better immediately run after it rather than maintain this positional dis yeah. discipline. Yeah, I mean, if he'd stuck with Hazard, he might have uh, stopped Barkley finding Hazard or Barkley might have had to have a pop himself from a little bit further out. But um, Barkley's it's a very nice ball threaded through to, um, to Hazard. And, you know, when he's in the area with just the goalkeeper to beat, that's what he does, doesn't he? Yeah, and he had a lot of the goal to aim at, to be fair. Um, yeah. But there are, like you say, there are reasons to be optimistic. Yeah, I mean, the, the first 20-odd minutes or so, it was all Chelsea. I think they brought up the stat on the, the telly that we'd only been in the, the third closest to Chelsea's goal for 10% of the game. Um, but then we got hold of the ball for a little bit, 
Gabbiadini was looking quite lively. Ings was looking quite lively. We Redmond, had Redmond looked yeah, great. Redmond looking great. We had a wonderful ball in the box, and um, all Ings had to do was hit the target, and that would have put us 1-0 up, wouldn't it? About three minutes before the Chelsea goal, Ings had as good a chance as you can expect to get against Chelsea. Yeah, and in a game where we are not going to make many, uh, it was a golden chance, quite similar to his chance really against Everton. Uh, against Everton, he hit the target, but Pickford made a great save. But today, yeah, uh, sad to see really because yeah, we just managed to weather the storm. And if Danny had, had managed to score, you know, all right, we'd be at looking the, at a different at game. At that point in the game, it actually felt like the tide was turning, wasn't it? You know, yeah. it, it felt like we could get back in it. And we were kind of sat there after about 25 minutes. Ings had that chance. We we're kind of thinking, okay, we've weathered the worst of it probably, but Chelsea don't need much to get in front. Um, I mean, Ings. What, what what can you say in that in that point? You know, that sometimes they go over, and you know we've seen lots of good players do it, but it's just devastating that it happens. Yeah, maybe it's too easy a chance almost. Maybe the fact that you know he has just always got to put a foot on it yeah. means he doesn't he loses concentration. But we, I think we are like yeah, you know, we're one player away. For me, I would swap out Hoyt for, for Vestergaard. Um, but the team looks good. You yeah. know, like, they look comfortable on the ball. Redmond looks brilliant. Bertrand looks really good. This game's not over. No, it's, it's not over yet. Um, and it's funny, uh, thinking about it, I wonder if we'd be almost in a worse position. I know, kind of, theoretically, we wouldn't. But, like, if Saints had gone in the lead with that Ings goal and then we'd conceded that chance to Hazard and then conceded it was 1-1 immediately after we'd scored, if the heads would have dropped, the, the Saints players seem a little bit more up for the fight than perhaps they do when they've you know, succumbed to an equaliser. I mean, does that make any sense or am I just like completely insane here? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think we've got players who look like they care more. I do I, I do believe that. I think Bednarek throwing himself in front of everything. I think Yoshi looks like he cares. I know Bertrand gets a bit of stick, but he looks like he cares. Yeah, this game is not over. Saints probably shouldn't be in it. They are in it still. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we're, I think the problem we've had in the last few games, essentially playing with Charlie Austin, you do play with 10 men. Um, I, I do believe that. Uh, Gabbiadini looks much sharper. Yeah, I mean, I think Gabbiadini looks like a... You know, he's, he's when he's getting the ball, he's turning a player and he's making space. You know, If you can take one player out with your movement, then you're doing a good job as an attacking football player. Um, obviously, Hazard is the kind of player that can take three people out with, with a single uh, move. Uh, but we, will, just, yeah. we just don't have that sort of uh, quality of player in the squad. But Gabbiadini... He's causing a little bit more problems than, say, if we did have Austin and Ings up front together. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that... Uh, and I don't like to go all negative on Saints players, but I don't think that Austin gives people anything to worry about. I think Gabby does. I think it's interesting today. Saints have gone... Everything's down the left with Bertrand and Redmond. Nothing down the right with Cedric. Um, obviously, they're targeting, uh, you know, that side of Chelsea because they feel it's weaker. But as I say, you know, that's where our chance came from. We might get another one. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because I was expecting with Alonso moving forward that perhaps we'd have more luck down the right-hand side and maybe in the second half we'll see him try and exploit that. But uh, Alonso hasn't actually been that, that heavily involved, but perhaps they haven't felt like they've needed to get him up. You know, They haven't needed the extra player up there. They've had a lot of possession. Barkley's doing very well and, and you know Hazard's playing exceptionally well again. Yeah, I think this is a problem that Saints are going to face this season. I kind of made a half-joking comment, but Chelsea didn't even really celebrate. 
when they scored. You know, it's kind of like it was like it was inevitable. Like when you watch a Premier League team take on a lower league team in an FA Cup or you know a game like that. And you know, Saints have got to be careful that we don't become a bit of a whipping boy. Yeah. And I, you know, Chelsea have moved through the gears, but I don't think they've had to hit full throttle and are winning fairly comfortably. Yeah. So. I mean, do we talk about the couple of penalty shouts that Chelsea have had? Do, are we actually quite lucky to be going into the break 1-0 down in a way? I mean, I think Wesley does foul um, Giroud. I don't think he can really do anything but foul him, but it looks like a foul to me. But again, it goes to show the pace of this game. Um, you know, and just looking now, John, what's just, what are we just seeing on the screen? Well... We've just had it come up that Bednarek's been taken off and Oriol Romeo's been put on, which seems totally bizarre to me. Bednarek's so been doing very well, hasn't he? So we're going now to, I guess, a 4-4-2. Yeah. Again, you know, Mark Hughes, you know, good managers have faith in a system and they rely on a system, they get it right. This is a bit worrying for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually thought the kind of 5-3-2 five, five, or the 5 you know, four one, whatever it was that we were playing, was was working relatively well. Three four well. three, whatever it was, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it, interesting to see that change made. Um, hopefully, it pays off. Hopefully, Mark Hughes knows more about football than perhaps we're giving him credit for right now. He probably knows more about football than we do. <laughs> anyway, should we go and uh, watch the rest of this uh, game? Let's, uh, I guess, enjoy it. Right, Tom, take two. Um, <laughs> We, we tried recording immediately after the Saints game, but a whole bunch of uh, rather I lively it. people came into the pub. I mean, that yeah. happens in a pub, isn't it? It's a risk. It is. Uh, Liverpool fans from East London and Man United fans from Surrey, it seemed to be, uh, obviously, the lifeblood of those two teams. I know. I mean, how, how well do you think pubs in London do from uh, two northern teams playing a game? I mean... Uh, well, by the looks of things, arguably a lot better than Southampton FC playing against Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, that, that is certainly true. Um, where where do we start? Because there's a lot of anger about how Southampton started this season. And I was watching the game, and I, I actually felt like at halftime we were kind of doing okay. We'd had one really good chance, we'd missed it. Chelsea had had one really good chance and taken it. Maybe been a bit lucky with a couple of penalties. By the end of the second half... We were it was demonstrated to us what it takes to be a top club, top Premier League side, and we're not one of them, are we? We're nowhere near it. No, you're absolutely right, and John, you, you you put it perfectly in that second half. This is a a game which shows the margins between being a Premier League team and being a good Premier League team. And yeah, you know, Saints were outclassed really. If you think almost every single department today, midfield, defence, and attack, it simply weren't good enough. And I think the challenge we have is that this is it. These are our players. This is our manager. We've got nothing else to give. And I, I worry that, um, you know, what we've seen today is, you know, almost like a, this is it now for the rest of the season. I think we're in for a big relegation battle. Um, and, you know, when you look at the players, okay, so, I mean, Carrillo and Giroud were sold in the same week, pretty much, for the, about the same amount of money. But Giroud is a much better player than Carrillo is. And yeah, I mean, Chelsea have that pulling power, don't they? You they know, do. They, they can pick up a 17 million player that's decent. We also, can't. Like, Giroud is probably on three times the wages or four times the wages that uh, Carrillo is on. But ultimately, Saints are paying the price. And I, I, 
you know, we try and remain positive on this podcast. We try and remain optimistic. I, I, yeah, we don't want to criticise individual players, but Southampton Football Club is paying the price for uh, a negative attitude. If you look at where we are right now, we have gone backwards. Uh, since Koeman left, we've tried things. We've never had the guts to stick with them, like Puel, and we have gone backwards. And if you look at everywhere where we are now, uh, we are a, we've gone from being a football club which had a forward momentum, young players, challenging style of football, top six, doing brilliantly well. We are a club, and, and I say as a club, as an organisation that have gone backwards. I mean, it's a, it, it's a good point, and, um, you know, we're, we're so far away from the football that we're playing under Ronald Koeman. Ronald Koeman, who is now the manager of the Dutch national side, which is, you know, arguably a less glamorous side than actually managing the Saints. I know that sounds ridiculous, no, but not. actually managing a like Koeman, essentially, was managing a side that finished 7th and 6th in the Premier League, and that is a glamorous job to have. He's now managing a national side that didn't even qualify for the World Cup in a World Cup which has many, many, many sides in it. Yeah, and international football is not the, the... Football has changed. International football is not the apex of football anymore. It's club football. Yeah. And yet, we're sat here going, well, how, how have we got from this point where we're a side that would beat Chelsea, which we did under Koeman, under Pochettino, to a side that just has no hope against Chelsea? You know, even though we didn't play that badly, like the quality, the the difference in quality between the Saints side and the Chelsea side is so vast that even if we play okay, we're still going to get beaten three 0 at home. Yeah, I mean, the, the, and I think the the key word there is quality, John. I mean, if you think like they've got players, and other Premier League teams seem to have players that punish you in the moments that matter. Saints yeah. don't. Saints are too nice, and uh, I don't know what it is. I think, you know, and I, I will be happy to say I was wrong on this. I, I thought Mark Hughes was the right choice. I was absolutely, and I've said that many times before. But now, looking back, actually, Mark Hughes represents a different era of football. You know, we're here in the pub watching Man City versus Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, two of the more progressive managers. You know, in in Klopp and Guardiola. Um, Hughes is a throwback, and yeah. I, Saints are playing for that. Uh, but but we used to have we used to be good at progressive managers. Nigel Atkins was a very progressive manager for the lower leagues. Pochettino was an incredibly progressive manager for the Premier League, and he's done incredibly well at Tottenham. Uh, you know, and all the arguments against Pochettino, he hasn't won anything or this, that, and the other. To be honest, Tottenham weren't really up to much before he got there, and they should probably be a little bit thankful for what they've got. Koeman did, did fantastically well for us. Maybe that was a bit of a flash in the pan for Koeman's kind of like um, era of manager because he hasn't done as well since. But it's like, it's weird with Koeman, it's like we had the perfect match. But you're right. Since he's left, well, he, it wasn't attractive football, but it was functional. And it was the football that is going to keep Saints in the top half of the Premier League, keep Saints, you know, performing at that higher level. Pellegrino, that was a gamble that didn't pay off. And Mark Hughes, he, we brought him in for the job. We gave him a contract at the end of the season. He kept us up. He had a bonus. We didn't need to give him the long-term contracts, you know. The feeling was, amongst myself and yourself, and obviously amongst the Saints board, that we should give him the extended contract. Were we wrong in that? 
you have to look at you know the only evidence we have is the results and the way the team is playing and you have to say maybe we were I think Mark Hughes feels like a, he's a relic you know and I you know it's not a very nice thing to say but you look at the managers that are doing well even like you know even at Huddersfield you know young German managers that are that are hungry and learning new things about the game Saints have kind of gone backwards and I I, I do feel that we are not um, what is the identity what is the Southampton way now what is what are we famous for are we you know there was an article football 365 which was quite scathing recently with what is the point of Southampton football club but you know what feels more relevant now than ever yeah I, I mean maybe that that um, that article was actually a little bit early in the way that it surfaced but the the writer there had spotted something you know Southampton the or the Southampton way and the club that you know we've grown to love in the last few years um, and certainly the way that they've played in the last few years was about a club that could punch above its weight about a club that could do something interesting and I, I wonder in a little in a little way is that almost kind of what's punished us as well because in that time we were able to take a punt on a manager and it paid off we take a punt on a player it paid off we take a punt on another player it played off and again and again and again and again Every gamble that Saints took, with perhaps the exception of Danny Pablo Osvaldo, seemed to work out. Yeah, every time we spent a little bit of money, the player, whether it was Mane, maybe Ramirez as well, Ramirez and Osvaldo. No, but but that's the thing. It's like we were a gambling club, and uh, we we'd win our bets. You know, we'd win the outside bets, and now we're not winning anymore. No, and I think. The rest of the world, and also what's almost made it worse, is that Southampton have gone backwards at a time the rest of the world has moved forward at an accelerated rate. You know, we do look like we're in big trouble. I, I, you know, I, I hate to say it after, what, eight games this season, but we're one win, what, three draws maybe? Five points, isn't it? After. Five points, and it, or two, yeah, two draws. It's, and also, like, we, we've had a run of fairly easy games, and we don't look like we're going to be any better. And the problem is, as well, is... We're not crap. You know, like, we're not today, like, playing badly. We play reasonably well in, in patches of the game. But, you know, we're looking like a classic good team that goes down because we probably just don't realise what's happening around us. Almost exactly the same as last season. I was asked yesterday by um, an Arsenal fan, do you think this is the season that you're going to go down? And I found it very, very hard to tell him that it's not going to be the season that we're going to go down. Do we need to be worried? Are there three teams in the Premier League that are worse than us? Well, you think Cardiff look pretty pony. Um, Huddersfield don't look great and Fulham look like they're being found out a bit. But at the same time, you know, Newcastle obviously as well. But, you know, like the problem with Saints is it's psychology. There was a complete lack of belief that they can do this. Even today when we're pushing forward, punishing, you know, we're pushing, we're, we're creating chances. We don't look like we really believe in ourselves. You know, 2-0 up against Brighton, we can't see that out. 1-0 up against uh, Leicester, a very average Leicester, can't see it out. We don't look like we've kind of got it mentally right. And, you know, there's no divine right to stay in this league. And, you know, part of me almost thinks, and this is a very nihilistic part of me, but maybe if we did go down, maybe we lose this... You know, the negativity around the club, the Chinese owners who don't seem to do anything, communicate to the fans. Something's broken at our football club and I don't think Mark Hughes or the current people running the club are the people to fix it. It, it, 
I mean, it's strange because we keep on getting told that um, uh, Gao is a very shy man and that's why he hasn't spoken to the Saints fans. But he keeps on showing up in the director's box. It's like, if you're really that shy, you, I mean, for a start, you probably don't buy a Premier League football club. Secondly, you probably don't go and then sit in the director's box quite regularly. I mean, uh, uh, should we call BS on on um, yeah, it's nonsense. here? I mean, look, I mean, I, you know, part my job is to, I do this for a living. And like, at the end of the day, if, if Gal was so shy, stick him in a room with a translator, head of comms for Saints, and with the Daily Telegraph, who we know, Sam Wallace, laps up every positive, anything about Saints. You know, that's how you do it. You stage manage it. The fact that he's not done it suggests they're not that he's shy. It's because they haven't got a plan. They're extracting as much value out of the club. I'm not saying they're siphoning money out, but they're, they're not investing in the football side. They're investing in the commercial side. And this is the thing. We've said it before. Saints now, it's almost like the football plays second fiddle to everything else. You know, and even on the pitch, we play a good game of percentages, but... What's the end result? Saints fans want to see Saints win. They don't want to see fireworks. They don't want to see clappers. They don't want to see anything else. They want to see us win. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't actually have a clue who our owner was? And just on the pitch, all, uh, all the talk was about some wonderful no, player right. that come up from the youth team or some wonderful player that we'd sign, a manager who's playing very interesting football. And it, we just seem so far away from that. When, when Pochettino... Totally. When, the thing is, sorry... When Marcus Lieber was the owner, we all knew about him because he'd saved the club. But like as as we moved through the 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 seasons and through the divisions, we talked about the football that was being played on the pitch. And at the moment, the problem is, I, I mean, I I think the football on the pitch is almost a reflection of what's going on in the boardroom. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a good argument that football started becoming pretty awful uh, the minute anyone knew who owned clubs and the minute anyone knew the name of a referee. Um, it, it Sort of the balance has shifted, but Saints, uh, Saints have a sickness. You know, they do. I mean, if you look at what Saints were famous for, good attacking football, good goals, bringing young players through, none of those things are there now. Like, And again, that article, what is the point of Saints Football Club? Yes, it's provocative. Yes, it's challenging but you have to argue on games like today so Tom what is the point of Southampton Football Club right now I don't know I think we're lost we're lost I mean Hughes is a manager that and what's amazing is I I'm very proud to be a Southampton Football Club I'm very proud of us as a club always have been and, I never, and always will be but the amount of fans that come up to you when you say you're a Southampton fan and they say we don't like Mark Hughes I've never known anyone in football to attract such a opprobrium and such sort of spite you know, and he's, he's not going to endear himself. And I'm not seeing the post-match interview today, but I guarantee he'll blame the man, he'll blame the referee or the linesman for that first second Chelsea goal. But he, he's not a man who's engendered much love. And I, you know, I don't, I don't dislike Mark Hughes. I value what he did for us last season, but I strongly question whether he's the right man to to keep us in the Premier League. So where do we, where, where do we go from here? Do we sack Mark Hughes and try and bring in someone else? Or, I mean, is, it, is the problem deeper? Should the fans take to the stadium the next day and say, look, the board needs to speak up? Is it sack the board time or is it sack the manager time? Is it give the youth a chance time? On those things, John, right? This is Chinese people who own the club. Like, Chinese people don't care about media. They don't care about what... Like, Chinese owners are not going to care about what media say 
about what fans say. They, they're not from a world of, they're from a, a, you know, they're used to a land where there is no dissent. You know, there's a, you know, they're not going to care about that. They're going to view it as like, it's fine. People will get bored. They'll go away, you know, cake and circus. But, you know, what are the fans going to do? Turn against Mark Hughes? That's probably not going to be productive. Also, we have to think, we get rid of Mark Hughes, realistically, are we going to get? You know, like we saw it last season. From last season, from pretty much about four games in, it was obvious that, that Pellegrino was kind of out of his depth. And they stuck with Pellegrino until, what, February, March? They're not going to get, they've given Hughes a two year contract. They're not going to get rid of Hughes in the first week of October. So I think this is it. This is the team we've got, this is the manager we've got. And you've got to pray to God he can turn it around. But do we think he can turn it around? Because uh, in a weird way, I look at the way Saints played and the way we approached that, that uh, first half. I thought we were okay. I thought, you know, maybe it should have been 1-1 at half time rather than 1-0 down. And on reflection over the ho- overall game, I didn't think we were that bad. No, I mean, we weren't. We played but reasonably well in patches. We're still a long, long way away from where we were like three years ago under Koeman when if we put that performance under Koeman I'd have been like really scratching my head and thinking well well, what on earth has gone wrong but under Hughes I mean am I already becoming more accustomed to the Saints that we have to deal with now yeah I mean it's so predictable isn't it you know Saints FC 101 play well in patches you know Soak up pressure, play well, don't play take good the chances. football, don't take the chances, concede, lose concentration, make mistakes, concede goals, lose game. It's it's pretty obvious what's going to happen every time. I don't I don't think there's one player to blame for it. I, you know, and you, there's a good argument Mark Hughes made uh, this week, which is that look, you know, our home form. He's had 19 games, I think it was uh, six of which have been at home now, 20 and seven. Uh, you know, this goes longer back than Hughes, but at the same time. Buck stops with him. You know, he's a judge. He's paid the money and he needs to fix it. But my concern is he doesn't look like knowing how he knows how to do that. And I think we are, we're in, uh, you know, we're almost like a frog that is in boiling water. You know, if you put a frog in boiling water, it will jump out. If you put a frog in cold water and you slowly put it to boiling point, it won't know. And I feel saints are the second about that. So, I mean, Saints are this kind of, like, small creature that is unaware of its own fate. I mean, but the thing is, we seem to be aware of our fate. Most of the fans seem to be aware of our fate. We all know that we're in a big struggle in relegation battle. Why is it that when we get £75 million for a player that we're not investing it in a team that can then kick on? Why? Uh, to, I mean, it's, it's just going back to the lucky gambler thing. Do we... Do we think we are much more clever than we actually are? And the we fact found out. Like we found out, John. I mean, it's simple as that. Like, the, the club had a run of luck, exactly like you say. Lucky gambler. Yeah, and the lucky gambler thinks they can never lose. We had a run of games. We had a run of players that we signed that every single one built upon the player that was there before him. But looking at it now, like, have we really signed? If you really look at the team, if you look at the best Saints team in probably 30 years, which was the Kuma well, that finished seat. In terms of players, you look at every single one of those starting 11. Have the players we replaced, that we've signed players, have they really kicked on? Like, the only one you could maybe argue is Danny Ings for Pella, maybe. 
Redmond for Mane, and that's not a criticism of Redmond. I love Redmond. He's playing brilliantly this season. Probably our best player. But like, we've not. It's not the same, is he? It's not the same. You know, you look, Mane's, Mane's playing for Liverpool today. You know, Redmond probably won't be. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, who else is not playing for Liverpool today? And that is Adam Lallana, Nathaniel Klein, Dejan Lovren. When we had all three of those players on our side, we looked a really, really good side. And those three players have moved on. We don't have them. They're all on Liverpool's bench or Liverpool's wider squad. Is, is Saints malaise just... Uh, indicative of the whole Premier League and the fact that the big boys have it all and we have nothing left and we have to you know scrabble around in the bottom buying players for 17 million which sounds like an awful lot of money but actually they turn out to not be quite that good what, what, what's the problem do we blame the Premier League do we blame Southampton do we blame Mark Hughes do we blame the players or do we blame absolutely all of that hey look well look Bournemouth are doing alright Burnley are doing alright Wolves are doing all right. Like, we have to face up to the fact that, yes, of course, like, if someone Adam Lallana wants to leave, and you know what, like, yes, he left in bad circumstances. Saints fans should also recognise that Adam Lallana was a fantastic player. Was able to football club and stay with us in that fantastic rise. Of course, you know, not so nice how he left. But, like, if they're like, if he wants to go to Liverpool and earn £160,000 a week, then Saints can't stop him doing that. But, what we can't do is but, we but, can't... But why not? We're getting £130 million every year, like Liverpool are. Yeah, but we're not the same commercially. But like, also, we have to recognise as well that like, we keep signing players. Like, Vestergaard was, by all accounts, people are German. I've worked with a lot of German people in Germany. They say Vestergaard was one of the best centre-backs in the Bundesliga. Why is Vestergaard turned up at Saints and within six or seven games look pretty hap- hapless? You know, like, what's going on? I mean, like, he looked better in the first couple of games than he did in the last yeah, couple of games. Yeah, but what's going on? What's the coaching? So, so, so it's the thing that's happening. Like, we're getting in good players and then making them rubbish. Whereas before, we were getting in kind of, like, good players and making them great. Yeah, that is... Uh, I mean, if you look now, like, Hoyt. Hoyt was playing for Lazio. He's probably a very good player. He looks a bit lost. Hoybo looks good. I don't know what Lamina is. I don't know... Lamina is a, you know, like, I don't know what he does. You know, he's not a defensive midfielder. He doesn't seem to be able to cross. Can't really shoot. Doesn't thread balls through. I genuinely don't know what he does. Uh, you know, like, what what's the coaching that's going on here? Like, we seem to have, yeah, we seem to have a good squad, but they can't get the best out of them. I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation, and I don't think anyone is happy. I mean, I... I had a little look back at uh, the tweets that I sent out. Nobody really agreed with me when I said I thought we were playing okay um, in this game. And then, like, you know, the, we, we pick up lots and lots of emails um, from loads of fans, and they're all unhappy about Saints. Like, no, nobody knows what's going on. They're emailing in. They're frustrated about the way that we're playing. I mean, we're... I don't know. I mean, do we just move on and say we were beaten 3-0 by a side that's probably going to be challenging for the title? I think Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool. I mean, we joke. We're coming to the pub. We're going to go and watch the three title contenders and Saints. We're here watching Liverpool versus Man City. We watch Saints versus Chelsea. 
and, and there's Saints. They're, they're, they're the odd one out out of that three, aren't they? There's three really good footballing Premier League teams and Saints. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be this way. You well, know. I mean, the thing is, it's like I used to have my like Liverpool sporting friends, my Man United sporting friends, and my Tottenham sporting friends. And I used to be able to give them a good bit of a ribbing every now and then. I can't do that anymore. It's all over, isn't it? I we're nowhere near there anymore. We're nowhere near there. I think they. I think there's a few things happening. I think, as I say, I think we moved backwards at a time when other people have really pushed forwards. Um, but you know, I don't say this lightly. I think Saints should be very worried. Um, you know what we got after the international break: Bournemouth away. No guarantee of getting anything there. No. And all of a sudden, then, you know, what are we like? Five games on the spin in the Premier League. It's not going to be pretty. Shall I read an email out? So, um, here we go. We've got an email here from Steve Jarvis. Hi, guys. My son, Dan, and I went to see the Saints at Molyneux and listened to your podcast on the way, which is very interesting. A lot of your points we could relate to. In the early stage of the game, Wolves had the upper hand, and to be honest, it was going to be a long afternoon. The Saints came back into it after about 20 minutes, and maybe we should have had a half-time lead. The second half started out pretty much equal, and the Saints took over. Unfortunately, our typical frailty showed, and we just couldn't get a lead. Sadly, we were done by two wall substitutions and made to pay in the last 10 minutes. Mark Hughes must surely see what we see as Saints fans and needs to do some juggling with his squad selections as we're going to be faced with another season of playing catch-up. We're not ruthless and up front. Bring in Sammy Gallagher with Ingsy and Gabby. In defence, we're too slow. And knowing that Maya, Yoshida, Jack Stevens, and Yen Bagnarek are not Getting a look in is criminal. Come on, Hughesy, tighten up our defence. Alex has been outstanding, so give him a good back line he could depend on and liven up our front line and recreate what we fans know Saints used to do by scoring multiple goals in games. He also adds, I've been going to Saints games since 1979 and Dan's been a regular since 1976. So, Steve, I mean, thank you so much for your email. There's loads and loads of points we should pick up on there. And, um, uh, you know... If we go back to last weekend and the game against Wolves, it's a similar story to this weekend, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. I think, you know, it's Saints against Wolves uh, weren't outclassed by any means. Saints actually did really well to contain a, an exuberant, positive Wolves team. But again, it comes down to quality. It comes down to the moments that matter. And the problem Saints have is that they don't have players um, for whatever reason. I don't think it's talent. You know, Ings is a really good player. Redmond's a really good player. They don't have players. Like, where was El Yanisi today? Where's uh, Armstrong? You know, we don't seem to either have players that can punish people or players that kind of seem to bottle it a little bit. And I, you know, it's... I, I just don't know what Mark Hughes does. I mean, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because, like, you look at Wolves and they've stuck with the same starting eleven, I think, for seven Premier League games. And obviously it's worked out quite well for them. Whereas Hugh seems to have found his side, settled on it, but they're not performing. And that's almost the worst situation, I think, where you have players that are not performing, but they still know that they're going to get in week in, week out. And that was one of the criticisms we had of Pellegrino as well. You know, why were we not replacing Fraser Forster when he kept on making mistakes? And now we're, we're looking at that, and the same thing's happening with Hughes. Obviously, today, he did change things up, but we've had the same results. Saints losing. Yeah, and I... But again, this goes to our, our, I think, our broader point where there is a, there's a bigger problem than the physical, 
nature of our football club. It's a mental problem. Um, we've lost. We've forgotten how to win. You know, really have. And yeah, I was at that Palace game. It seems a long time ago. It wasn't, but it seems like a long, long time ago. And I think I think we have to really. I don't know what he does. I don't know whether he gets a psychologist in. I don't know whether he like takes the players away. I don't know what he does, but it needs to remind them of what it's like to win, particularly at home, because Samaria should be a fortress, and it's not right now. Oh it's my a, god! It's a what's it? One one win this year? I mean, it's terrible. I mean, how we are still in the Premier League is beyond me. Anyway. I need to wee now, so I'm it's thinking, right, should, should we just wrap it up for a moment? It's our age. Yeah. This, this is what happens when you drink three pints in the pub. You, you just need to go for a wee, so I'm sorry, guys. We're going to have to just check out here for a moment. Thanks, everyone, for listening.